Welcome to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. This is the place where you'll learn cutting-edge personal brand strategies from today's most recognizable influencers. We're going to teach you how to build a rock-solid reputation and then how to turn that reputation into revenue. I'm your lead host, Rory Vaden, co-founder of Brand Builders Group, Hall of Fame speaker, and New York Times bestselling author of Take the Stairs. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a new episode on the influential personal brand. This is AJ Vaden here. I'm the CEO of Brand Builders Group, one of the co-founders and one of the co-hosts of this show, along with my sidekick partner, husband, Rory Vaden, who is not here today. But y'all, I am so excited today because not only do I get to share this awesome individual, Molly Fletcher, with you guys, but y'all, I was literally just talking to her before the show started. So if you want to go read all of her amazing accolades and accomplishments, and there's a lot, I would encourage you to go read the show notes. But I'll tell you one of the coolest things about this is when you find people, and in my case, another woman who is equally excited about your success as they are their own success. It's one of the biggest gifts in the world. And I had a chance to debrief with Molly before we hit record. And I think one of the things that I love so much and why I'm so excited to introduce her to all of you guys listening is that she's one of those people who gets genuinely just excited about seeing other people thrive and succeed as she does herself. And it's one of those things where it's like, it makes you want to be around her more. And I just love her. I think she's so awesome. She's a total badass. And in so many different respects, personally and professionally, and I'll tell you one thing, one thing on the professional side that I think you should know about Molly before we get in is I was at a joint group meeting in Nashville, Tennessee that Molly was at. And somebody had said, you're like the Jerry Maguire of the sports industry because Molly has an extreme past as a very accomplished sports agent. And I started thinking this morning, I was like, she's not like Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire is like Molly Fletcher. What are you talking about? There is no other Molly Fletcher. There's no comparison here. It's like you're Molly effing Fletcher. No Jerry Maguire up in the mix around here. But so many amazing things that we're going to talk about today. And so I'm going to kick off I'm just going to welcome you to the show, Molly. Thank you so much for giving me some of your time this morning. Hey, it's an absolute honor. I love you and Rory and the whole BBG family. I'm honored to be with you. I really am. Thanks. And this is going to be such a great conversation. And one of the reasons why is because I know that so many of you out there are wondering, how do I go from my full-time profession, whatever it is that you're doing right now, and how do I actually make a transition into a full-time personal brand? And so, uh, Molly, give people just a little bit of background on what your professional journey has looked like from the beginning to where you are now. Sure. Wow. Well, you know, I think, I wish I could say it was scripted out and it was perfectly planned, but the truth is it really wasn't. You know, I was a sports agent, as you mentioned, for over 15 years, and I loved every minute of it and had incredible athletes, 300 athletes, a team of agents, et cetera, helping us serve them. But what happened, AJ, this is interesting, is I would have all these young people reach out to me who wanted to be sports agents because people sort of think, oh my gosh, that'd be such a great job. And so I'd have all these young people meet with me and I would meet with these kids because I believe you need to love what you do every day. And so I would be meeting with these young kids and then simultaneously, like I might go to an event and I'd meet a 30 year old who said, oh, you know, I always wanted to be a sports agent, but you know, it was just kind of really hard to get into and it's super competitive. And so now I'm doing this, but I don't really love it. And now they're in this kind of job that they don't love and they're sort of boxed in. And I thought, well, that's a bummer because you work a lot in your life and you should love it. So I would meet with these young kids and my boss would walk by my office. And he would say, oh, who's that? Is that a shortstop for Georgia Tech? Is that a golfer for <laughs> Georgia? And I was like, oh no, it's this really nice young kid out of Georgia Tech who's trying to get into the sports agent business. And, and by about the third or fourth meeting like that, I mean, he's a pretty driven guy. He looks at me, he goes, look, I am not paying you to mentor all these kids out of Georgia and Georgia Tech. And I said, okay. And so simultaneously, right, I'm recruiting lots and lots of athletes, which to me is not too dissimilar to getting in front of tough people that you potentially maybe want to work for one day. So I started to see all these things aligning and I thought, you know, 
I can't meet with all these people, but I want to help them because it breaks my heart when I meet these 30 year olds that hate their jobs. So I thought I'm going to write a book about it because I got to help them. And I'm just going to write a book, staple it together and give it away if I have to. So I would go when I was pregnant with our first to this coffee shop every day and I'd write and write and write. And so it took me about a year and a half to finally have this book ready to go. And, and I thought, well, let me see if I can publish it. Like, let me just see if I can find a publisher. And I could have wallpapered my apartment with rejection letters from publishers because <laughs> we both know that's a quirky space. Finally, I get somebody that kind of bites. I fly to Indy, pitch this whole boardroom of people on this book and they bite and they publish the book, which was my first book. So then university started saying, hey, will you come and talk? Well, to pause us? right there. So you wrote the entire book while you were still like full-time working. Yes. Yeah. Great point. Right. So I think yes. that's a really important distinction. It's not yes. like you jumped ship and said, no. I'm out. It's not like this was what I was doing when I had extra time, extra hours, extra minutes. That's right. That's right. That's right. AJ, I would do it at night. I would do it on the weekends. And so that book got fully published. And I had, thankfully, the support of my boss to do that book, which was wonderful because I was very transparent with him that I wanted to help these kids. It wasn't going to impact my day job and whatever. So then I was speaking to all these schools for free, for fun, just to help. Were they finding you or were you finding them? They were finding me because of the book. It was sort of out there. And so professors started reaching out saying, Hey, would you come and talk to 30 kids or 50 kids or, and I did. And so then for free, for for free, I think that's important. Like, yeah, these are great. I'm glad you're calling these things. These are not like most of us who are in this world of speaking and authoring. And it's like, no, it didn't start with money. Right. It's like, we were paying. It's like, please, I'll pay you. Can I please come? Exactly. (laughs) Right. And I think that's a really important reminder for everyone or anyone who is on this personal brand journey or who wants to be, it's like, it has to come from a deep rooted passion of, I have a message that I cannot contain it. It must come out of me. However, I can do it. That's really well said, AJ. And I think, and you say this, I mean, you're so good at, you know, it was something that broke my heart was watching these people work 82,000 hours of their life or something like that, that it adds up to and hate it. And I thought, that's not right. And I grew up with a father who's amazing, but he hated his job. And I thought, I don't want to hate my job. I want to love it. Yeah. I want to, as the, you know, I think it's a Luke Bryan song, right? Like do what you love and call it work. And (laughs) I love that. So that book, so to your point, I would go to these schools and I would speak for free. But one of the things that I think is important for your listeners is it was also, hey, as I started to do more and more of it, I thought, I got to record these things. Like, I got to record these so that I can grab recordings of this because I like it. And if I couldn't do this in other markets, maybe one day I could get paid. I don't know. So then it was interesting, AJ. I was also, then I sort of, that came out. I was doing that still full-blown as an agent. And then I started working with, you know, Billy Donovan and Tom Izzo and Ernie Johnson and John Smoltz and all these athletes and coaches. I didn't know any of those except for John Smoltz because I'm a Braves fan. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Well, that's okay. And you don't need to. And, you know, and so I started to go, wow, the way Izzo's wired isn't too dissimilar to Ernie Johnson. And the way Smoltz is wired isn't too different from, you know, Glavin. And so I started to kind of see the way that peak performers behave, their mindset. And I thought, I think I got another book here that I really want the world to know the level of curiosity and discipline and belief and energy management, all these things that went into the best. So I reached out to a friend of mine and said, look, I think I want to write this book. And then she helped me a bit, connecting me with her son, who was sort of a ghostwriter. He helped me write it, connected me with his literary agent, Hmm. who then took me on, pitched it to publishers. And that book was birthed, which is called The Business of Being the Best. Now, that book was a little more focused toward business people. Interesting. Again, I want to pause really quick. You said two things that I think are really unique and important. So I have a, a random question for you. Sure. How many people do you think actually have a book within them, but they don't value their own insights enough to publish it? A hundred percent of mm-hmm. the people in the world. I mean, a ton, like a ton. Um, I agree. 
Yeah. Like to your point, I think the difference and what I love about you is like you saw something and you're like, I have to put this together and share it to the world. I think all of us have those insights and those intuitions and those things. We just, whether we don't think other people would care or we're not sure how to put it together. And you did. Mm-hmm. And you were still doing it full-time working of going, sure. oh, I see these commonalities. And I think there's something here that would really help other people. I think that's really important. So what was it about you that made you go, this is good enough that I think it would help other people? Like what innately inside of you kind of gave you that, no, this is it. Like this is going to help other people. Well, I think. I saw so clearly this connection between peak performers and I felt like, and I lived in a world where complacency has no room. I mean, Chipper Jones woke up every day and could see the stats of the guy in AAA that wanted his job. Smoltzy could see all the guys in AAA that wanted his job. And I thought, wow, this is a different mindset, this mindset of wanting to get better every single day. And I just felt like it was something in my heart of hearts that could lay right on top of business people's mindset and belief system. And they could deploy it in a way that could help them to have more drive, up their game, all those things. And I think I grew up too with a belief that no is just feedback yeah. No isn't no. It's just oh, it, you gotta write that down. <laughs> it's just a data no point. It's just feedback. Totally. No, it's just feedback. Oh, that's so good. I'm gonna highlight that. It's gonna be the <laughs> tweetable moment of this show. No is just feedback. Right? right. And I think the reason I wanted to call that out is because so many of the people that we talk to and that we work with at our company brand builders group, they know they've got something, but they don't have enough conviction and their own ideas to push them out into the world. And it's like, part of it is like, you've got to have enough belief that no, it's like, I know this can help and enough confidence of going, I don't care if it helps one person, it's worth doing it. But then the second thing that you brought out is I found someone who had a son who was a ghostwriter and he would say, it's about people. It's about relationships. It's about connections. So talk to us about that for just one second. Yeah. So wonderful. You know, he helped me and his mother was really one of the first. And what happened was we wrote that book and that book, you know, got out into the world. And then I think this is sort of part of the story and that relationship and how important it was. So when that book came out, again, it was more focused on business people. I started getting asked to come and speak, you know, at businesses, right? At conventions, at things. But I was still grinding it as an agent, like full-time 24-7 deal. So if it was really convenient and really, really easy, I could do it. So one day, literally across the street from my office, there was this convention and they asked me to come and do one of the breakout sessions. And I mean, AJ, it was pretty bootleg, right? Like it was literally, I can still see the room. I mean, it wasn't very big. There were these black drapes. There was probably 20 people. It was one of those where they walked in and could see the list of different speakers. And, you know, enough people thought, well, this chick sounds interesting. I'm going to go sit in there. So I sit, I give kind of a keynote around the book and the common threads I saw in, you know, it was probably 30, 40 minutes. Well, at the end of that, this woman comes up to me whose son was the ghostwriter. So that's where I'm going with this. And she came up to me and she's really cool. And she said, you need to do this. And I said, what are you talking about? She goes like, you need to do this. I said, do what? She said, speak. And I said, well, girl, I'm running back to the office. I have a 1.30 lunch, a three o'clock call. I'm going to a game tomorrow. Like, I can't do this. She said, no, no, no. I'm telling you, you got to do this. I'm taking you to lunch. So we go to lunch and she said, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, she goes, how much are you charging? And I said, nothing. Said, you don't charge anything for your kid. I go, no. She goes, you need to be charging. She said, do you own your domain name on your website? Do you know your, I said, no. She said, go buy it go by mollyfletcher.com. And she said, do you have recordings of your keynotes? And I said, well, I got a couple, right? And she goes, every keynote you give from now on, I want you recorded. So she sat with me, I'll never forget it. And basically said, here's all the things I want you to have a website up in a less than 30 days, video, bio, you know, all the things that, you know, anyone who's listening can, you know, if you Google any speaker, you can go and you can t- kind of see the same things that they have on their websites that whether it's through a speaker bureau, or a client is looking for. And she sort of told me what she thought I could charge. And sure enough, the phone started ringing. And, you know, which was a blessing. 
you know, and then I started speaking and Merrill Lynch hired me and all these different, and so it just sort of evolved, but I'll pause there in case something's coming up for you. You know, it's interesting. Your journey is so different than mine because I'm pretty, pretty sure I had to like cold call a thousand people (laughs) before I ever got paid to speak. I'm pretty sure like if I went back and counted the amount of free workshops that I did in front of sales teams and sales organizations, it would be close to a thousand, but I did for free, right? Begging. It's like, um, can I please talk to your three exterminators. <laughs> I will do this for you for free. I'm pretty sure that it's, you know, it's interesting because every journey looks different and that's the point. Sure. And does. people want to know, it's like, how do you do it? And it's like, every journey looks different. The point yeah. is you just have to start. You got to start. Right. I mean, it's like, I don't know if it's a BBG line or, but the more you speak, the more you speak. Always. Always. Like the more you speak, the more you speak. And we had a lot of those. I mean, I'll never forget when she told me to get more video. My husband and I went to the Ritz Carlton here in Atlanta and we snuck in. We found a ballroom and my husband's wonderful. And we find this ballroom and it's got this beautiful mahogany background. He's got our camera and I am like changing clothes four times in the ballroom and he's filming me and That's I'm awesome. talking to nobody. I'm talking to nobody yeah. and he's filming me. And then I found, you know, somebody to kind of splice it up and turn it into a speaker rail and all that. So, you know, it's a bootstrap deal it out of the totally gate. No about it. And I love it because you got to be scrappy. It's like, there are only a few people. And one of the reasons I was so excited to have you on the show is you're a little known fact. It's like Molly is one of like the highest paid speakers. Who's not a celebrity who's out there. Right. Like Molly is doing this full time, multi seven figure, like like she is doing this and doing it extraordinarily well. And I think for a lot of us is we think, oh, well, you had this X, Y, Z. It's like, no, like we were speaking in empty ballrooms with our husbands (laughs) speaking like I remember it's like for years, it's like I was doing meetings in living rooms, backyards, back sales, didn't matter what it was. I was like, I'll be there. I'll be there. Um, right. so one day you have someone who sees you and they go, you could do this for a That's living. how it works. And then you could speak, but it's like, the more you speak, the more you speak, you just have to start. And so yeah. I'm curious at what point did you go, okay, this mm-hmm. is like my personal brand is now my full-time career. Yeah. Like when was that? Well, I certainly didn't think of it candidly as a personal brand, obviously, now more so, but you know, what happened truthfully was I loved being an agent and I loved my players and I loved it all like immensely. And I'll never forget. I landed in like Pittsburgh or New York or somewhere for a keynote. I think I landed in New York for a keynote and, and my players never went to voicemail. I mean, they never went to voicemail. So I get, I land and I've got like three voicemails from three guys. Well, I, I start calling them back and I'm on the phone with one of my guys and he goes, where are you? And I was like, cause we're incredibly close. And I go, Oh, I just landed in New York. He's like, Oh, who are you seeing? And that was the moment when I went, "Uh Oh, I don't feel authentic right now. Like mm-hmm. I do not feel authentic right now. And I said, you know what, actually, man, I'm giving a keynote to a group of, you know, I think it was financial advisors. And he said, Oh, wow. Huh? Really? And that was the moment when I went, I've got to make some decisions here. And you know, it made AJ no sense. I mean, I think I had 17 keynotes on the books, you know, for not a lot of money. And I had a nice situation as an agent, but I remember coming home to my husband. I said, honey, I think this message is resonating with people. I think it's helping people. I think I have an opportunity to have a whole lot more control of my schedule, but more importantly, make a bigger impact on the world than I am now. Like, and I was at a point in my career where you know, I felt like I'd done a lot of incredible things. I'd helped a lot of athletes, but I remember thinking, do I want to go to my grave and say, I've negotiated a hundred million dollars in contracts, or do I want to go to my grave and say, I changed a hundred million lives. Mm. And what became clear to me was I wanted to change hearts and souls and not just checkbooks and bank accounts. That wasn't what it was about. And that was when, thankfully, I said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to jump. And, you know, you talk about kind of relationships. And so one of the guys who was my trainer when I was a student athlete at Michigan State, he became a speaker and is a speaker. 
And I reached out to him and I said, hey, this is what's going on. And he said, you know, you can use my booking agent. She books me. I pay her a fee on every booking. But if you wanted to give her a fee, she could take in some of these incoming calls for you that you're getting and she could navigate it. And of course, I believe it's helpful to have somebody in the middle of those conversations. That's what I did. And I saw the benefit. And so this woman was fantastic and she knew how to navigate these. She, you know, and then we built the contract and the bio and all the stuff that happens. But she was able to take in these incoming calls, negotiate these fees and manage my speaking calendar until it got to a place where I needed a full-time person. So interesting because I think that right there, what you just said is so, so wise. You need a middle person. Yeah. So, And that's what you did. Like you did that so successfully for all these athletes for 15 years. So like to sit here and go, oh yeah, it's like, that is what you did. Right. Right. So I would love for you to share with everyone, like what is the benefit of having someone book you on your behalf? Like what's the, you know, it's like people can call them an agent, bureau, whatever. Right. But what's the benefit? It could be your spouse. It could be your, but why, why? Well, I mean, I think, you know, no different than I saw with my players. I mean, it becomes very hard for an athlete to sit in the room with a general manager and say, look, all the other second basemen are at X. Here's my RBIs. Here's my slugging percentage. Here's my on-base percentage. And I should be at Y and here's why, because it can get emotional. Yeah, And I think when you're saying, well, for me to come and talk to your people, I'm worth X. <laughs> well, our budget is Y. Well, I mean, that conversation is a lot harder for you to do yourself. Now, it's not impossible, though, because we know that people have to do that in their careers for raises and things like that. And that's OK. And we need to, as human beings, I believe, know how to have those conversations But I think when we're trying to negotiate our fee and our time at the core, it is someone else that can brag about you that when you're doing it on your own behalf, it's just odd. Like, oh, yeah, like every time I got a standing ovation, people love me. I mean, you can't say that, right? But Uh, the booking agent can, right? So I I think they can tell your story as your advocate better than you can. Oh, I think that's the word. It's they're your advocate. Yeah. Your advocate. I remember there was a point in our business that I told Rory, you are no longer allowed to talk about money with anyone (laughs) ever. Like you are not allowed to talk about your fees. Stop it. Because like to that point, it's so much easier for him as the individual who's getting booked to go, I mean, okay, I'll make it work. Or sure, I'll stay and I'll do this. Sure, I'll add on another one because he felt guilty. And it's like having an advocate, that middle person that removes the emotion, makes it so purely logical. And one of the best lessons we ever learned is somebody had said, and I remember getting this advice from someone at the National Speakers Association is just remember, they're not paying you for an hour of your time. Yeah, They are paying you for the years of experience and expertise and original content and data. They're paying you for a lifetime of information that you have condensed into one hour. Yeah. And that changed the way that we negotiated from that point on. Yeah. IJ, I remember you saying that at an event I was at that you were leading. And I was like, that is so well said because it's so true. I mean, they are. And, you know, to your point, it's easier for someone else to say no. It's easier for someone else to justify. You know, when I was an agent, I mean, that was people ran around with business cards, you know, so all my athletes had stacks of my business cards. And I can't even count the number of times that a guy would call me or a gal would call me and say, Hey, I met John Smoltz at Walgreens and he said he would love to stop by the school on my son's birthday and wish him a happy birthday. And I'm thinking, okay, dude. And like Smoltz and I or any of my guys, I mean, you know, John can't do that for everybody he meets, of course. But, you know, and I'd say, oh, okay. And I'd take the call and I would listen. And then I'd, you know, hang up and wait three days and call him and say, hey, I'm really sorry, but John can't do that. He's pitching that day or whatever the thing was. But that helped John and all of my players so much. And we need, I mean, I'm so blessed and grateful. We get 500 speaking requests a year and do 80. And so I need somebody in the middle of all that to filter through the right fits, the stages where we think we can truly make an impact. 
Oh, so good. I think that's such a good deal of like to that point. It's like, it would be very easy to try to say yes. And then simultaneously just burn yourself into the ground. And now, I made that mistake, AJ. I did. Oh yeah, as have we. And it's yeah. not one you want to make again. And so let's talk about two things here. One, all these requests, right? So how are you for the person who is maybe speaking already? And they're like, how do I grow my speaking business? How do I scale it? Where are all of these requests coming from? So how have you amassed such this amazing business where people are just calling you and then it's you deciding which ones you're going to go to? How did that happen? You know, the truth is it's really been referrals. I mean, it's people in an audience who leave and go to a different company who I gave a keynote yesterday here in Atlanta and a guy came up at the back of the room and goes, you need to do this convention that we all go to in the technology space every single year. Who do I contact on your team to get your stuff in front of them? So it's been primarily referrals. Mm. We do work with bureaus, lots of different bureaus. I'm not exclusive with any bureau. And that evolved by people who had heard maybe me keynote or they had moved to a different career or different company. And then they, let's say, just automatically book through bureaus. So they went to the bureau and said, hey, we want this. We'd like to explore having this woman, Molly, come and speak. And the bureau's like, who's that? I have no idea who she is. And then they kind of figure that out. And then that was kind of how our bureau thing went, was clients backing into an ask and then the bureau coming back to us and saying, we have a client that wants to book you. Who do we work with? So, you know, I feel very blessed for that. I'm very grateful for that. It's really been all word of mouth, but I would say simultaneously, you know, we have all the things in place that allow somebody to get familiar with you. You know, one of the things that you and I know, and it's wonderful for people to know is that, you know, nobody's going to book you on a main stage, big event keynote without seeing you speak. And not just, I would argue, the best of the best, the spliced up, you know, six minute video reel that's just you and all your best moments and the crowd standing and clapping. And you got to make, give them a hot, good, solid piece of, extended content of you on stage speaking where they can go, okay, there's a big clump of time and she's okay. She's Mm -hmm. good. Like we can do this. (laughs) So that's to me really important having, you know, I would tell every speaker, go get your YouTube channel, get it populated, get stuff on there, have your website with your video reel, but have longer clips too. So people can see you for an extended period of time because The thing that, you know, I take really seriously is when you really boil it down, it's an organization hiring a perfect stranger to stand up in front of the most important people in their world from a business perspective. Either it's their key clients or it's their employees. Those are incredibly important people. And they are hiring a perfect stranger. So you've got to make sure you offset their already anxious feeling. Yeah, that's so good. Putting a stranger in front of the room. So you got to make them feel really safe with that decision. And so, you know, to me, those are the things that I think are important. Like I'm a big fan of getting into the head and the heart of the people that you serve and saying, you know, like one of the things I always say to people on a pre-call before any keynote, I do a call with the client and, you know, I always say to them, look, you've got thousands of things to worry about. The last one I want you to worry about is me. All I want to happen is that you have a line of people after that come up to you and say, dude, where did you find that chick? That was exactly what I needed to hear. That's all I want. You got AV people, you got music, you got customers, you got box lunches, you got dinners, you got award ceremonies, you got other speakers, you got panels. Don't worry about me. I'll be there early. I'll crush it for you. People will say, thank you so much. And I want to be super low maintenance and over deliver. Yeah, that's so good. So I love that. It's like, if you think about it in terms of reality, it's like, you're right. It's like, you're asking someone to pay you who's a complete stranger and they have no real idea what's going to come out of your mouth. And then you want them to put you on stage in front of their most important people. And they're sitting in the back of the room going, please don't mess this up. Please don't mess this up. Please. So how do you eliminate those fears? So I have a question. If you were going to tell people, here are three things that you can do to be less of a stranger to your audiences, what would they be? Well, number one, I would say video on your website and on your YouTube and not just short form, but long form. I mean, that takes a lot of angst out and lots and lots of video early in your career. The more that you're speaking, 
get them all videotaped, different outfits, different backgrounds, different stages, authentic, real stuff, and get that up there because that will give them a sense of she's done this, he's done this, and they've done it a lot in a lot of different circumstances. Okay. That would be one. You know, two testimonials. And you talk about this, AJ. I mean, you talk about this a lot. And I think that's a really big deal, to, particularly early to say, look, here's, you know, you have your list of printed testimonials on your site or wherever, but also, hey, look, and I did this as an agent. When I was recruiting a player, I'd slide my client list across the table and say to any young player, hey, look, I can sit in this boardroom and tell you everything I know that you want to hear. But call John Small, call anybody, call these guys or gals, ask them. Because what I'm telling you we're going to do, we're going to do it. But feel free to call anybody. So testimonials to me are absolutely huge. And then the other thing I think is really, really important is get on the phone with the people that are hiring you before you speak mm-hmm. and get in their head, get in their heart, ask questions, understand what those hearts and souls in that room are worried about. I know lots of speakers that say, oh, I do the same keynote every time. I'm not changing it. I'm not doing a pre-call because it isn't going to change. And I'm thinking, number one, like I could personally not do that because I need to know what the people in the room are worried about. What are they excited about? What's on their hearts and minds? What did they hear before I went up? What are they going to hear after? I got to get in their head and heart. So pre-calls are really powerful because, AJ, I've probably given, I don't know, 700 to 1,000 keynotes. And I mean, like paid over the last, like when I did it now in my world. And nobody's ever canceled a pre-call. Like nobody, because they cannot wait to get and they have seven, eight busy people on these yeah. calls. It's like, you are the seventh person on the line. And <laughs> they have like all these people and they want you to know their world and it matters. Oh, so I would say that's that. a really important step that I think people sometimes underestimate that really matters, really matters. Uh, you know, and so much of every single thing that you're saying comes back to two things that you've got kind of said throughout this conversation, which I think are really important for people to grasp onto is one, the more you speak, the more you speak, right? So if you really want to be a speaker or build your speaking business, make sure you're speaking. That can be for free. Most of us started that way. Eventually you'll get paid for it. Doesn't matter if it's five people in a room or 500 speaking is speaking, right? And then the next thing is it's relationships and trust, right? Uh Yes. Build relationships with people who are inviting you in do a really good job. So they refer you to other people, get testimonials that increases trust, you know, get to know these audiences. So they know that you really understand them, but it's build relationships so that you can build trust. Yep. Yep. That is is absolutely right. And I think for a non-celebrity speaker, I mean, I spoke at an event recently with Magic Johnson and I was getting mic'd up with the AV guy and I said something about his magic doing Q&A and he goes, oh, they wouldn't give us access to him before the event. We have no access to him. They are miking him. We have, and you know what? He's Magic Johnson. (laughs) Molly Fletcher can't do that. I'm like, hey, I'll be down there 30 minutes early, right? You know what I mean? So I think, you know, it is such a rewarding space to be in. But like you said, AJ, I mean, be patient, be gentle on yourself, Mm -hmm. right? Honor the people that you're getting in front of and make it, you know, feel like it's your first and it's the most important one for you. Over deliver all those things are so important. And to your point, I mean, I spoke for free a lot and you did too. And, you know, the keynote that I gave early in my journey is very different from the one I give now. And, you know, the more you speak, the more you grow, the more you see what lands and what doesn't, what people resonate with and what doesn't, what people come up to you after and go, boy, that story about whatever was really powerful. You start to see what's really clicking and then you can blow, you know, add on to those. So it serves you and them in so many ways. So important. Ah, I love that. I have loved this conversation. I know that we're almost out of time. So I want to just do two last quick things. For the person who is listening to this this show and this interview and they're going, man, it's like, I'm not into the speaking business yet, but I have this message on my heart. I feel called to like share this is what I want to do with my life. Where do I start? Right. If you were to go back and, you know, tell yourself, you know, however long ago it was of like, this is what I would have done differently to expedite my journey. 
this is what I would tell that person today. What would you say? You know, get out there more and speak more truthfully. And like you said, to three exterminators, if you have to, to your dogs in your office, to your husband, to your partner, to your, just keep refining, 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 and playing with it. Okay. And, you know, and figure out your unique style. You know, I mean, there are so many wonderful speakers in the world and everybody has their own style and they land in their own way. And so be true to who you are. You know, don't try to be anybody that you're not. But to me, those are important things for people to keep front and center. But I would just say, like everything in life, right? You know, when I was playing tennis, I had to hit a lot of forehands, right? A lot of back. So just keep doing it. Keep getting the reps in. The more you get the reps in, the better you get. And then I would also say what I didn't do enough of, to boil your question on more deeply, is watch yourself. Watch your videos of yourself. And watch your own videos of you speaking and and critique the heck out of yourself, right? Really beat yourself up. The other thing I wish I would have done earlier too is, you know, I have a few people, what happens after a keynote is even if you were horrible, people go, oh, that's so great. Oh, thanks so much. That was awesome. I mean, and so you think you're really good. (laughs) Make sure you have some people in the back, like I have on my team or my husband who go, Hey, you totally missed the point in that story, or you walked too much, or you didn't, or this or that, or you had lipstick on your teeth or anything, but have those people in the room early so that you can really work out some of those kinks that are going to give you great feedback. Because at the end of every keynote, like you can tell if it really, really landed or if it didn't, but nobody's going to walk by you when they're leaving the room and not say anything. Most people say, oh, that was awesome. And they don't, maybe they mean it, maybe they don't. So you got to have some people that are telling you the truth. Yeah. And I love what you said too. It's like, because how many of us have hired a good speaker, but then never remembered them. And it's like, it's one thing to be good, but you said, it's like, you actually, you need to figure out what makes you different, what makes you unique. I'll share this from my girl crush, my celebrity girl crush, JLo. So JLo, I love what she says. (laughs) She says that everyone is good. It's no longer good enough to be good. You have to be different. So what are you doing to be different? And that's the beautiful part about all of this is you are already different. Whoever you are, it's like you are already different. No one else in the world has your life experiences, your unique brand, you know, your unique DNA. They do not have your brand message. They do not own it. They do not possess it. And then we try to look around and blend in. And it's like, it's not good enough to be good. You've got to be memorable. You've got to be different. So figure out what is it that makes you really different. I love that. I love that. Okay. So then last thing, and I promise I'll let you go. So you recently had an awesome new TED talk that came out called the secrets of the champion mindset. So I know for so many people out there, something on their bucket list or one of their goals is to do a TED talk, right? Give us just your 60 second, like if I were going to teach you or coach you or help you get booked for a TED talk, like what would you tell somebody? Like, what do they need to do to get out there and figure out how to go out and deliver a TED talk? Well, can I tell them the truth, AJ? Yes, absolutely. I called you. I called AJ and I said, AJ, I want to do a TED talk. And she said, okay, well, and you helped me thankfully and Rory with kind of what that uniqueness is and all those things. And then you were so kind. And I know, you know, you're incredibly busy, but you were so kind to sort of connect me with some people that had delivered some TED talks. And then I connected with some of those folks. And one of them said, you know what, you're in Atlanta, you're in Buckhead. Let me connect you with the people that manage that TED talk. And so I did and they bid and I delivered a TED talk a couple months ago, Secrets of a Champion Mindset, which is, you know, clipping away and I think helping a lot of people, which has been really fun. So my advice to people is lean into to the relationships that you have, identify, you know, a stage. I mean, the good news is now there are so many TEDx's, there are so many TED Talks. There are some, I would say too, to people that are better than others. There are some events that are more well-managed than others. So I would encourage people to get really clear on that and make sure that you're positioning yourself consistent with the brand that you want to put out into the world. And as you talk about, and as Rory talked about, it was about relationships. And then it was about leaning in and establishing those, helping them. And they were kind enough to help me. Oh my gosh. Find a good fit. I totally forgot that I even did that. Yeah, I know. And that's why I was like, can I tell the truth? Because your phone might blow up. Um, I think like do that. And I love that. It's like, don't try to do it on your own. Yeah. 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 Lean in it right. 
like, right. like you said, it's lean into relationships. It's, you know, seven degrees of Kevin Bacon, right? Everyone yeah. knows someone who knows someone who knows someone, but put your dreams out there, put those goals yeah. out there. And it's amazing. Yeah. Once you're willing to put something out there, then someone goes, I could probably connect you with someone who could probably connect you with someone. So it's just never be afraid to put it out there and ask. Well, yeah. And also don't be afraid to go right to the source, right? To go right to, I mean, there's so many TED Talks now, TEDx, whatever. Go to some different markets and, you know, put a compelling theme out there. I mean, I think a book that I recommend to people who are considering a TED Talk is The Red Thread, who is a woman that I met through a woman that's a BBG friend. And that was a really, you know, because TED Talks are different. And my TED Talk is different at some level a little bit than what I deliver from a main stage. And that was really, that was a helpful book to identify what is that one thing that's going to be really that thread through the whole thing? What's that one thing people Mm -hmm. will lift up and extract from it and then maybe, you know, process, deploy, think about in their own lives. So that's an important thing too, to recognize that the TED Talks that go viral, the TED Talks that are really, really good, study those, look at those, what in your mind made them good and, you know, lift that up and authentically apply it to yourself. Ah, That's so good. I love that. And if you guys want to go check out Molly's uh, new Ted talk, it's secrets of a champion mindset. We'll put the link in the show notes. You can also just go check it out on YouTube. I'm sure it's out there. You can also go to mollyfletcher.com right? Uh, And Molly, if people want to connect with you and stay in touch, where's the best place for them to go? I would say go to mollyfletcher.com. That's the best place. And from there, they can source all of our social handles, all that kind of stuff. And Molly, you also have an awesome podcast, which I think is so cool. You've had amazing guests. You are such a great interviewer. I'll share this with everyone. Uh, Hands down, I've been doing a ton of podcast interviews here lately, promoting our national research study. By far, hands down, Molly has been the best interviewer that I have done on a show in a really long time. So major kudos to you. So everyone go check that out. Thanks so much for listening, Molly. Thank you so much uh, for giving us some of your time today. We love you. Everyone else, uh, we'll talk to you later. Catch the next episode of The Influential Personal Brand. Thanks, AJ. Hi, it's AJ Vaden, and thanks for listening to The Influential Personal Brand Podcast. Did you know that the ideas we share on the show are things we actually specialize in helping you implement? If you want to raise your public profile and turn your reputation into revenue, please visit freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for a free brand strategy call with one of our personal brand strategists. Again, that's freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for your free call. Talk to you soon. Welcome to the recap episode of my interview with Molly Fletcher on how to build, grow, and scale your speaking business. All right, y'all, I'm going to keep this super high level, but really, really important because to me, it doesn't matter if you are thinking about being a speaker, if you are currently on that journey, or if you are already an established speaker and you're just trying to figure out how to do more of it or do less of it with higher fees, this conversation is for you. So uh, these are three big highlights, uh, three big takeaways that I got from my interview with Molly Fletcher. So here's the first one. And I said this probably five times in the interview, but I'm going to say it again for the sake of all of you who are listening to this recap episode and you are not going to listen to the full episode. The more you speak, the more you get to speak. And I don't think we can say that enough. It's if you want to be a speaker, if you are a speaker and you want to do more speaking, if you're currently doing a lot of speaking and you just want to raise your fees, whatever it is, the formula is the same. The more you speak, the more you get to speak, or the more you speak, the better you get, right? The more you speak, uh, the higher your fees can be because you get better at it and more people see you. And then it becomes a conversation of supply and demand. I loved what Molly said is that, hey, in the beginning, it was, you know, one event she was doing for free for some students. And then it kind of grew from there. But now they get over 300, 500 requests a year. And she's picking and choosing because she's only going to do 80. And I say only 80 is a ton, right? Because an average speaking engagement, you're probably gone for two days. That's 160 days. That's 50% of your year. That's a ton. That's a lot of days. But at the same time, 
it's they're picking and choosing because they have such a large supply of requests. Why? Because the more you speak, the more you get asked to speak. And the more you get asked, the pickier that you can be, right? Just because you get invited that many times doesn't mean you have to do it. But I love that because it's such a great reminder for all of us and a great thing to remember from even me of going, it doesn't just happen. You have to make it happen if it's what you really want to do. And that means you need to be willing to do it for free in the beginning. Uh, Very few of us actually start with fees from the very first time we do it. Why? Because we actually need the practice, right? Before we say, hey, I'm good enough for you to pay me to do this, we need to know what we're going to say. What impact is it going to have? How am I going to differentiate myself? What is my message? And you need to get good at it, right? And I love that. And it kind of leads into the second thing. It's a great thing to put in perspective of, right, the more you speak, the more you get to speak, and the more that you will speak because you get better, more people see you, uh, all the things. But the second thing I think is a really great aha for me, and I never heard anyone say it this way, is you have to remember that what's really happening here as an individual on the behalf of a company or an organization is inviting you, a stranger, to come and get on stage in front of their top clients or their top employees, and they're going to pay you and hope what comes out of your mouth is good. That's kind of a big risk, especially when you're paying a lot of money because you're going, man, it's like the words that come out of your mouth could really detract from our business, could really set us off pace. So how do you, as a speaker, as an aspiring speaker, create more confidence and trust so that you don't feel like a stranger to the people who are looking at you or talking to you or considering you, or even for the ones who have booked you. And I thought Molly gave some really good tips there. It's one, you need to have tons of video footage. And guess what, y'all? You can only have tons of video footage if you're actually out there speaking a ton. The more you speak, the more you get to speak. So one, have tons of video footage and not just the highlights, not just the sizzle reel, not just pictures of uh, standing ovations and people standing in line to meet you, but people need confidence. And what she said, long form content, 10 to 20 minutes of going, Hey, I was able to watch you for 10 or 15 or 20 minutes. And I have confidence now that you do know what you're doing and you will deliver a good message and you do it in a good way that helps you become less of a stranger, right? It's confidence inspiring, helps build some credibility and trust even before they've ever met you. So make sure you have tons of videos, create a YouTube channel, have long form videos, have short form. You need both. It's not one or the other. It's both, but have lots and lots of video footage, right? Other things she said is do pre-calls right? Actually get to know these people. Don't just show up and go, hope it goes well. No, like do your due diligence, figure out why are they having you? What's the theme of their conference? How can you compliment their message that they're saying internally to their team or to their clients? What would make it a home run for them? What are the biggest things that they're running into? Why did they decide to book you? How does this fit in with the other things they're discussing at this meeting or throughout the year? Those are all things that will help you line up to make sure that you complement whatever they're doing and it fits very seamless and no one's going to say, hey, it was great, but it felt really disconnected to everything else. That's our job as speakers is to actually come in and do that due diligence and do that research to make it feel like I made this program just for you. And you don't have to completely change everything you do every time, but have the opportunity and elements with each part of your speech that is like, this is where I could tweak it and tailor it just enough so that it really resonates with each unique audience. So help yourself become less of a stranger. I think other ways you can do that, make sure you have a website, even if it's a one page landing page with a bio and a link to a video, but someone needs to be able to go ajvaden.com and go somewhere. And for all of you who were just getting started, And like even mine right now, like my website is in progress. I just have it redirected to my LinkedIn, right? Because on my LinkedIn, I can have media clips. I have recommendations and testimonials, like just redirect it. There's always a short-term solution to the long-term end result goal that you're after. So even me right now, while my website's in construction, I just redirect to my LinkedIn profile because you can get media clips, you can get testimonials, all the things that I need are there. So become less of a stranger. And then the third thing, which I loved, and it's such a great reminder for all of us in this business. If you are trying to build a speaking career, you are also in sales. Right, right. You are in marketing, you are in sales, you are in customer service. That's what you're doing. And she talked about the power of referrals. 
She goes, I have built most of my speaking business. Most of my speaking contacts are referrals. They were people who were in the room who saw me speak, which goes back to the more you speak, the more you speak. But they were people in the room who said, Hey, have you ever spoken to this event? Or I think you could be great at this. Or what about this? So it's making sure that you're mindful that every audience you go to, it's an opportunity to get invited to a new audience. So what are you doing? What is your message from stage about how like this is actually what you do as a profession, right? Talking about other events that you've spoken at. There are simple, easy ways for you to seamlessly add that in so that people in the audience go, oh, this is what you do. I wonder if I'm a part of any other groups or associations that would like a speaker like you. And that's our job to figure out how do we very seamlessly weave that in so that it reminds and entices the audience to refer you to other organizations. So very simple things that you can be doing to build, grow, and scale your speaking business. I love this interview. I love her. She's got such a heart for her message, which just oozes out of her. And I have no doubt in my mind, the reason that Molly gets booked so much so often is because she's got a heart for what she does. She's got a passion for the message and you can feel that in her interview. And that's a huge part of what we got to do. This cannot be a job. This has to be something that you love to do. And it's what you get to do full time, right? And when that happens and it's all about the excitement and the passion, everyone else catches on, right? Enthusiasm is contagious. So how can you re-fall in love back into what you do that makes it so contagious that other people are like, I need some of that energy, some of that enthusiasm, some of that passion on my stage to reinvigorate my audience, right? People are looking for the emotional parts of us as speakers as much as they're looking for the content. So just remember, at the end of the day, this cannot be a job. It gets to be a passion that you get to do full-time, but it's not just a job. So thank you for listening. Go check out the full episode. Go check out Molly Fletcher, mollyfletcher.com. She's amazing. This interview was incredible. That's all we've got for this episode of the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. But here's some great news. One of the most valuable things you can do to help us and other new potential listeners to find our show is for you to both rate this show and leave a review. So as a special bonus for you, if you leave us a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen, take a screenshot of your review and email it to podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. We will give you free 30-day access to 25 of our most popular interviews on video in your own private members-only area. So go right now, rate us, review us, and then send a screenshot of it into podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. And we'll get you set up with free access to our most popular video interviews all in one place. Also, just please share, share, share this podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember that building a business isn't nearly as valuable as building a reputation. 